conversations about the things that matter the most. That is what we are about. We want to have these conversations that matter to you guys, that matter uh, to us as Christians, that matter to us as people who are in this struggle, uh, trying to get to heaven, trying to be with Jesus. That's 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 what it's about. And it's uh, it's our pleasure to be able to uh, say that we believe in keeping calm and Advent on. I want to welcome everybody that's joining us uh, today. And I see already we got a few people. Um, I, I, I got to tell you guys, uh, uh, Jessica, I think, is on a streak right now. Uh, I think she missed last week, if I'm not mistaken. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But once again, that's the very first Happy Sabbath. We got Ivan as the next Happy Sabbath. Isauda, the next Happy Sabbath. Haley, the next Happy Sabbath. I mean, we got, it's, it's getting quick. I mean, I think they are on before we are on. Like that's 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 what I think is happening. Which They're is expecting crazy. the next shirt giveaway. Yeah. No. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, by the way, on, on that note, we we yes. we just got the shipping supplies yesterday, so they're gonna, God willing, they'll be shipped out Monday. So for Jesse and uh, and uh, Chris, oh, they'll perfect, be on their way. Perfect. There you go. That's awesome. But but again, we want to welcome everybody that's joining us today. Um, I, I know at least with my church, there's another event going on as well. There's a, a family ministries event going on. Uh, so I understand that some people may be uh, focused on that, uh, but at least our young people, I, you know, and I see a number of our young people already on, and I just want to give a shout out to all the young people at Inland Spanish. I'm assuming you guys want to give a shout out to all the uh, uh, young people at uh, My High Desert. High Desert. Kids. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Um, and for that matter, anybody else that may be watching us at any other time, thank you for joining us. And uh, again, uh, this is Keep Calm Advent on with Jam with Jason, Andrew and Mitch. Jason, Andrew, how are you guys? Good, good, good. I'm doing good, man. It's another week I finished. It's a weekend again, Sabbath. For sure. I gotta finally good. relax. Everybody good hey, with health, I'm assuming. Yeah. You're not you're not wearing your uh your relaxed uh, uh Hawaii no, shirt today, today, man. No, not today. <laughs> like you're, you're one step away from a tie. What's going on? No, not today, man. Uh you know, I I I got nostalgic today and I said, Man, I miss going to church in a tie. Now that's not true. That's totally not true. Let me tell you, okay. If there's one thing that I've enjoyed is maybe not having to wear a full-blown suit during the summer because, you know, <laughs> like, that, like that's what we do, right? We wear full-blown suits, but um, no, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a different day. So that's, that's all I can say. I have the opposite issue calm. right now. I need my keep calm right over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been telling you guys, you guys got to send them in so we, so yeah. we can get them done. Sure. And I have sure. the opposite uh, problem in this room. Remember uh, a couple uh, episodes back, I was all sweating. Now I figured out, I guess this room has an AC in it, but now I turned it on and it's like super difficult for me to hear you guys. So now, <laughs> now, now I, I'm not sweating, but I, I, it's all hard for me to hear you guys. That makes you sense. You need to get a headset, bro. Yeah. Uh, one, of those game, one of those gamer ones with the, with the little, with the little microphone. Right with the little mic right on the side. Uh, we're going to have to tell Jareta, let me get that one. Uh, well, anyways, uh, again, we want to welcome everyone that's joining us and, and we hope that uh, today's going to be a blessed day. As we have this conversation, as you guys know, really, aside from us having the conversation, what we really try to do is involve you in the conversation. So um, I, I think some of you saw at, at our title screen, uh, today's conversation is titled Against the Rulers of Darkness. That's actually uh, um, uh, a Bible verse, right? This, this comes quoted directly from the scripture. And, and we're going to touch up on that scripture, scripture. It's very impossible for us to talk about this without mentioning that Bible verse at some point. But, uh, you know, we, we hope everybody's going to be blessed and just make sure that you share this with uh, anybody that maybe uh, is not on or should be watching this. You know your friends, you know your people, uh, you know, let them know. Um, 
so guys, we're going to, we're going to start off. Uh, we, we have a number of things that I think we need to talk about. Uh, so, but first we want to start off with a word of prayer. So, uh, Jason, you want to lead us with a word of prayer? Uh, go on, let's pray guys. All right. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord, first of all, for another day of life that you've given us, Lord, not just any other day, but a Sabbath. Now, Lord, as uh, we go into this conversation and dive into your word, Lord, please, please guide us, God. Uh, that, that's what, above all, I pray, I pray that you guide us. Um, please, please let it be the things that you want to be said, to be heard. And thank you for allowing us, for, for giving us this platform to share about you, Lord. As for all these things in your name, I pray. Amen. 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 And again, thank you everybody for joining us. Make sure you share this video. Uh, we are live at the moment. This is not pre-recorded. And again, we're looking forward to seeing all your comments. Um, guys, I, I want to begin with a, with a really, really simple question. If you think it's a little too personal, it's fine. But um, I, I'm, I'm just curious, when you guys were growing up, maybe even recently, I don't know. Uh, did you ever have someone that you considered an enemy? You guys ever have somebody that you considered an enemy or did you view anything or anyone as an enemy? Maybe they weren't really an enemy, but that's, that's the way you viewed yeah. it. What, what, did you, do you guys have anybody like that? Uh, bullies? <laughs> Would that count? <laughs> hey man, I, I, I felt like I was bullied a little bit when I was in, in seventh grade ish, you know? Not, not like to that extreme uh, bullyish where you're like, you know, they're they're throwing you on the ground and you know I was I was a little a little chubby kid so they, they you know they made fun of my weight a little bit you know a little chunky cheats. <laughs> I feel you on that one. That was me too. <laughs> bullies, bullies. That's a that's that's big. By the way, it's really big right now, um, uh, because uh, like bullying has now become a thing, right? Not not a thing to do, but like a thing that you should not be doing. Uh, and, and it's kind of maybe a few years too late. Kind of wish there was uh, some talk about bullying back when I was in high school, but that's that's besides the point. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I started thinking about what an enemy is like. Right. And I, actually, I, it, it's funny because uh, I was about to tell you sports and Haley just put in, by the way, I, I know Haley's dad. We go back and forth um, regarding uh, <laughs> his fan of uh, being a 49er fan. Um, but oftentimes. I, I really don't think I had enemies. Right. But, but oftentimes sports was kind of like cause that clash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and not with someone necessarily, but with the opposite team that you didn't like. Right. And, and it was always just this kind of back and forth between the team that, that just not a fan of that you hate sometimes is the, is the word we use, right. That you hate. And that's the enemy. In fact, in a lot of sports, that's the terminology that is used. Right. Uh, that they are the enemy. They are attacking sometimes, right? We talk about counterattacks in football, like all these different things that that kind of relate to this battle between, you know, two sides and and enemies towards each other, right? Um, and and I bring that up because uh, I think that if we haven't had an enemy, right? And I think very few of us have actually had enemies, like real life enemies it may be a little difficult to capture what we're trying to say right today, but this is real, right? This is something that scripture talks about. And this is kind of what we want to get to is that as Christians, do we have an enemy or do we have enemies? And ultimately what does the Bible say about that? And uh, if I can kind of just start this off, uh, the idea is that there is one that is presented as an enemy in scripture and that is 
the devil. That is that is Satan, right? Lucifer, a the number of names. Absolutely, serpent. the old serpent. So many yeah. names. Revelation chapter twelve, verse nine, gives you a number of them. Oh, the the dragon, right? And and it's it's the same uh, individual, kind of like this all powerful individual that 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 uh, fights against God's people, right? And um, uh, this is seen as an enemy. And so let's start off there, right? Wait, are, are you telling me it's, it's not that little uh, red creature with a pitchfork that stands right here? Uh, uh, that's not how he looks? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? I, I don't know. Maybe he looks funny, like that. Funny story know. that you're saying that now. Going as a kid, um, going to Mexico, when I, in Mexico, I mean, I don't know if you guys are so familiar with it, but there's a lot of superstition when it comes to how the devil looks like. Mm, right. But I still clearly remember, I want to say I was maybe six, we were playing outside uh, at nighttime. I think we were playing marbles. I forgot what it was we were playing. Then all of a sudden, my cousin yells, I see the devil. And we all run back inside the house. And when he describes it, when he was describing it to us from like what I could remember, he was saying it was some red figure with like the legs of a chicken and things like that. And I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, it that sounds like of, all the things he should have been shouldn't have been watching at the time, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why that description is my, reminds me of the chupacabras for some reason. You guys <laughs> exactly. I think some some of our viewers may actually be too young for that. By the way, uh, chupacabras. I'm not. True. I'm not sure. Yeah, but this was this is a while back, and it was a big thing. But yeah. So um, and and Jessica says, look, I don't think I've ever had enemies. Yeah, for sure. I like. I think a lot of us, especially living in in, in the United States of America, like. We don't see things in the context of enemies, but the Bible does, right? And specifically when we talk about whether it's this, this red figure with, with a, a, a pitchfork, right? Or uh, the devil, however you want to put it, but there is an enemy. And so I, I want to see what you guys think about this. What does the Bible tell us about the enemy of God's people, uh, the enemy of those who believe in Jesus and God? Uh, what, what have you guys seen about that? You know, um, it was interesting. I was having a conversation with uh, one of my coworkers this week, and uh, we we're talking about, um, actually, we we're talking about God, right? And one of the things he mentioned to me, well, they, they, it was uh, several of my coworkers, and they were asking me, you know, what is God like? Who is God like? You know, because I guess they see me as, you know, someone who, who was a Christian. I would hope they would see me as a Christian and someone who, you know, uh, they were coming to me with those questions, like, what do you know about God and all these things, you know, and that's a a tough task on its own. But then he said a comment that made me think he said, because we don't, we, we, God, it seems like he never reveals himself. Like he doesn't, we don't ever see him because we know Satan is real. He said, mm. because we see that he reveals himself all the time. Mm. And I thought that was interesting that he said that, you know, of course us as Christians, you know, um, we know God is real and the, the, that connection that we have and, and, and we, and the, you know, the Bible says, uh, through creation, the invisible God, you know, we're able to see uh, uh, the reality of God in all these different forms, right? And and we as Christians have that that knowledge where we can see God. But he, mm. I thought it was interesting that he said that. Now, um, when we talk about Satan, what he's like, you know, I think we can go to several verses, and I don't know if you got, if that's what we're gonna do. Um, I know in First uh, Peter five eight it says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion." seeking whom he may devour, right? So we have this picture of Satan, right, as a lion. I don't think any of us ever want to be close to a lion. Have you guys ever seen any of those videos? I don't know if you guys seen a video actually recently where it's a bear kind of like uh, petting a girl mm. like that, and they're mm. they're all like stiff, like they don't want to move yes, at all an that. inch, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's the same thing, right? You think of a, a lion, uh, something like that. You wouldn't want to come across as a lion, but it's, here it paints the picture of Satan as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, we know when we think of uh, creatures like uh, animals, for the most part, if you don't mess with them, you're all right, right? You're not, you're not going to yeah. see a, a lion specifically going after a human being. You know, they'll, they'll find a, you know, antelope or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, in their natural habitat. But right here is painting a picture of someone who is like a roaring lion, roaring lion who is seeking whom he may devour, someone who actually wants who is looking to devour us in that sense, right? So we have this uh, this painted picture of Satan, and that's just one of them. If we continue to Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, we all know this uh, verse, right? It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You weakened the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into, the, into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So now we have another layer uh, painted on Satan, right? We see here in these verses, and I will, it says, I will ascend. I will exalt. Mm. We have this picture painted of Satan, someone who is self-exalted, someone who is put, wants to put himself in the position of God. So we have someone who is seeking to devour, right? Mm. Seeking to destroy. Then we have the second trait, which is a person who is exalted, almost full of himself, right? Uh, and then we go to Genesis 3.1, which says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden, right? So we have another character that says cunning, Right? He is a uh, deceptive, right? In, in this sense, in um, John eight forty four, it says, "You are the father. You are of the father, the devil, and the de- the and the desires of their father of the of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of of so we have all these, someone who is seeking to, dis, uh, to, to destroy, right, to, to devour, someone who is full of himself, exalted. We have someone who is cunning, who is tricky, who is deceptive. We have someone that says he is a murderer from the very beginning. There is no truth in him. He, in other, in another version, says he is the father of lies, hmm. right? And I think that's the description that, that I think we can go on. There's many verses that, that we can continue to look at to kind of unravel who he is. But if we had to summarize uh, who Satan is or his characteristics, I think this is a, 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 does a pretty good job. Oh, Jason, yeah, I, I, I thought you were going to say something. I was going to let know. you talk. Oh, yeah. Um, there's... I'm glad that he pointed out John 8 44 because it tells um it tells it tells you from the beginning. So it wasn't just like it barely happened yesterday. Like all these characteristics is something that's very well known and very well um seen throughout the entire Bible. It's mm. not just once or twice, just he's he's so good at being able to trick people that he tricked Adam and Eve. He tricked other characters in the Bible to do his will. That's what he's good at. He is he's good at faking things. 
And, and that's interesting. I just want to add uh, before you uh, answer, Mitch, that he said from the very beginning, because a lot of times when we think about from the very beginning, we might say, oh, the very first time we see that, right, is uh, in Genesis 4, 6 through 7, right, where uh, with Cain, we say, oh, maybe. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will not will you not be accepted? And if you do not do, do well, sin lies at your door and desires to have you, but you should rule over it, right? We could say, oh, the first instance, right, where we see death, right, that, that Satan is at work there, you know, but it could go, it goes even further than that. We see with Adam and Eve, right, the fall there, and it goes even further than that. If we go to the uh, rebellion in heaven, right, we know that sin is separation from God, rebellion, right? Uh, Ellen White actually writes this, um, here in a great controversy of 502, it says, now the guilt of Satan stood forth without excuse. He had revealed his true character as a liar and a murderer. It was seen that the very same spirit with which he ruled the children of men who were under his power, he would have manifested had he been permitted to control the inhabitants of heaven. He had claimed the transgressions of God's law would bring liberty and exaltation but it was seen to result in bondage and degradation. Now, just to give you guys a context, she's actually spe speaking of uh, the cross scene where Jesus died on the cross, right? That, that Satan, uh, uh, up until that point, right, we have this idea that we, we didn't know the, uh, uh, the extent of sin, but it says that he had revealed his true character as a liar and a murderer. And it says that it was, it was seen that that same, very same spirit all the way up to that cross, how we can see uh, him trying to seek and devour Jesus, seek and devour Adam and Eve, seek and devour all these different characters uh, uh, in the Bible that we know all the way to the point of the cross, right? That this, if if permitted, he would have done this very same thing in the same spirit to the uh, to the angels in heaven, which I thought was interesting. So when we say from the very beginning, it's not just from Cain, it's not just from Adam and Eve, but from the very beginning and uh, in, in the rebellion of the angels. Yeah, I, I would I would say that um, it, it's true from the very beginning, although we did not exist back then. Right. So so within our context, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, which is our beginning. Right. Um, and, and I say that because scripture says something very interesting in Genesis 315. Um, after Adam and Eve have sinned. Uh, and and God is trying, you know, he's he's doing his investigation. He he knows, right? He knows everything that's going on, but he's doing his investigation. He finally ends up at the serpent, and he says, "Look, because you have done this, you're you're going to be more cursed than every other animal, etc." And then in verse fifteen, and I found this very interesting. Verse fifteen, it says, "And I, this is God speaking, and I will put enmity between you and the woman." I I I find that. A, a super interesting text because for sure, as what you guys have said, the devil is the enemy, but it seems as if the moment that we, uh, and we, by, by we, I mean, as, as, um, as a human race, right. We allied ourselves with the devil by choosing the devil, by choosing his lies, right. By sinning when Adam and Eve eat from the tree, God says, this can't continue. You see, now you're going to have to choose sides, right? You've chosen that side, but as humans now, as fallen humans, there's going to be enmity between you, the serpent, and my people, the descendants of the woman. And, and what, what I have found very fascinating about Scripture is that 
from that moment on, from that verse, we know that there is an enemy. So there's always going to be an enemy for God's people. Um, and if you think about it, when else in scripture do you see the idea of a devil or Satan? Because you keep reading and you keep reading, and keep you go through all of uh, Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and and Judges and and, uh, and Joshua Judges and Ruth and all the and we don't we don't see anything at all that has to do with devil or Satan, but then finally finally you get to the point where um, you have the story of Job, mm -hmm. and you guys remember the story of Job, and here you have the devil showing up there, and I think that's the first time, chronologically speaking after Adam and Eve that we see the devil show up once again. Um, and eventually we see the concept of the devil in uh, Matthew chapter four, the temptations of Jesus. Um, we see the Satan, actually the first time Satan is ever mentioned is in first Chronicles 21. Um, but I, I wanted just to point to one thing that you guys are very well aware of. And that's the great controversy in revelation chapter 12. Um, and in the great controversy, we are told that we are within this battle, right? We are within this context of a struggle between good and evil, between Michael and his angels and the dragon as he, and his angels. And the problem is, and, and if I can read this to you guys, uh, this is uh, Revelation chapter 12. After war breaks out and all those different things, uh, literally it says that the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth. He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And a little bit right before that, uh, there's a moment where it says, uh, um, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. This is Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. Uh, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. My whole point with this is that from the very beginning, as you guys have been saying, for sure, before Adam and Eve, within our context, from Adam and Eve, all the way up until the very end, we are in a struggle between good and evil. And therefore, we have to be aware, right, that there is an enemy. You may not see people as enemies, but there is an enemy to God's people. There has always been an enemy to God's people ever since sin entered into this world. And you could argue, as you guys have been saying, even before that, right? Uh, but, but this is a real thing. And it seems as if Scripture kind of writes itself along those terms, because think about it, right? I mean, if I were just to kind of shoot at you guys real quick, uh, think of the people of Israel. How many enemies did they have? Right? Can't think of any of them off the bat. I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking of my kid's favorite story for the for a second, right? The Philistines, uh, 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 David and Goliath, right? And Goliath is seen as this massive enemy. But the Bible is consistently written on this idea of Egypt is the enemy, right? The Egyptians are the enemies. Uh, um, uh, the people of uh, of of uh, Philistine, the Amalekites, always like countries. Babylonians, all those things, enemy, 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 enemy. And I think it's important that as Christians, we understand that spiritually speaking, this is real. Like this is not a joke. And I, and I, I would add to that. Um, absolutely. Every, I agree with everything you said. I wanted to add a quote from Ellen White because, you know, um, maybe as Christians or even seven day Adventists, if you want to put it, you know, we have that idea of who Satan is because, you know, either we've been brought up in the church or we've heard it. But for maybe the people that haven't read the Bible as much, or maybe the people that aren't Christians, you know, this quote I think makes even more sense. It says, uh, this is a great controversy, 516. It says, there is nothing that the great deceiver fears so much as we shall become acquainted with his devices. It says, the better to disguise his real character and purposes, he has caused himself to be so represented 
as to excite no stronger emotion than ridicule or contempt. He is well pleased to be painted as a ludicrous or loathsome object, mishappen, half animal, and half human. He is pleased to hear his name used in sport and mockery by those who think themselves intelligent and well-informed. Mm. So it, that to me yeah. is such a powerful quote because that to me is saying that Satan is happy when we portray him as that little uh, uh, red devil on the, on the side of your shoulder. For sure. Satan is happy when we portray him as some half animal, some chupacabra, right? Mm. Satan is happy when we feel he is just this, uh, this uh, a fiction of our imagination where we can even mm. say, ah, Satan's real, you know, God is real, Satan, but we just kind of uh, brush him off and we don't really uh, see the tactics that he is, uh, 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 that he has against his people, just like you said in the great controversy. I For think sure. it's a powerful yeah. quote by her when uh, when Satan is in essence happy to see that we don't take him serious. Yeah, absolutely. And then and and I'm just curious if you guys have because I, I think it's important that we read this text, uh, Ephesians chapter six verse twelve. And Jason, I don't know if you were going to read that or not, but I, I know that that's one of the key texts that we have, uh, Ephesians chapter six verse twelve. Um, Jason, if you got it right in front of you because I actually didn't write it down. I, I see you looking in your Bible. Yeah, uh, Ephesians six twelve because that's where our the title of our message comes from. I think it's important that that we read it out loud and see what it really says. All right, and it reads and it says, "For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms." Yeah, that to me, in fact, I, well, Jason, because I know we we got to get you in this conversation as well. Uh, we just kind of been ranting here, but. I, what does that verse tell you about the reality of us having an enemy? It says it's not something that's to me, to me, what it tells me, it's not something that's physical. Mm. It's not just like, Oh, like someone that I like, if I'm going to get into a fight with this person, if I practice some type of defense, I'm going to be able to fight them off. Mm. To me, it's not that it, it clearly says it against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, I feel like I have to like rephrase that last part a little bit heavenly realms. Cause if it's talking about heavenly realms, some people confuse it like, Oh, it's in heaven. It's something that comes from heaven. No heavenly realms is more like something uh, like th this version is using it more. So as some, more so to speak as something that we can't see with our own eyes. Right. And um, so obviously as Christians, we know when it talks about spiritual forces of evil, we know that it's talking about Satan and all the fallen angels with them. Um, and that, that and that's the, that's the problem here. That's why sometimes a lot of people, especially if you're not a Christian, they don't they can't grasp the concept of there there being this great controversy. Hmm. Like they read the book, but they don't grab the con the, the the what it's trying to tell you. Because a lot of people are like, if I don't see it, I don't believe it. And as a Christian, we have to have faith in sometimes the things that we don't see. Correct. Right. Right. So right. We don't. We can't exactly see Satan himself in front of me. We can't see when he when his angel is like here in this room trying to tempt me type of thing, you know? Yeah, that's so, that's um, funny. That's funny that you guys mentioned that. I want I wanted to add something because it reminds me of when I was younger. You know, uh, right, right here we're talking about. No, it's funny because it reminds me right here that it says it's not against flesh and blood. Because I remember thinking to myself when I was younger, man, I was terrified. You have those those images, right, of Satan, what Satan looks like, and you're like terrified as a kid, right? Uh, if I knew what I knew now, you know, it'd be different. But I remember thinking to myself, you know, like. I would hold my like myself like that. And I said, man, if Satan was ever to come to tempt me, you know, or, or to come to me, I would I would just be I would just say, you know, I come in the name of Jesus. Like you can't do nothing to me. Like I would just if I said Jesus, like 
like 50 times, like Satan wouldn't do anything as if he was like some uh, a creature that appeared to me. Right. And I remember thinking this, you know, for a long time, like, how would I stand up to Satan as if he was a physical being? But right here it's saying it's not against flesh and blood. Right. It's it's the spiritual warfare that we don't see. And that's why if we were to continue to read this, and I'm sure we're going to continue that we can't fight this war in, in a physical manner or, or in some sense. Right. We have uh, uh, other ways that, that we have to be able to overcome. But yeah, I just but wanted there, to add that. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a but there's a weird blending as well, because there are some denominations out there that that go and take it, take that literally and try to apply it to like a spiritual warfare. It is a spiritual warfare. Right. Uh, this is what Jason was trying to say. It is a spiritual warfare. It's not a physical thing, but uh, I don't know if you guys remember, like back in the day, there was like this, uh, um, uh, there were like these uh, uh, bodybuilders that were out there trying to fight with, like trying to lift weights and stuff in the, in the name of the spirit. And, you know, they were just trying to do these impossible feats for human. And, uh, you know, Jason, this is all in your realm right there. Right? <laughs> uh, and, 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 uh, and they're like in the name of the whole, you know, in the name of Jesus. And they're trying to like lift 400, 500, 600 pounds, just something crazy. And, and I think sometimes even in like certain Pentecostal uh, uh, traditions of Christianity, they go in and they're like, yeah, we're, you, you got you to gotta, um, uh, rebuke the devil, right, in the name of Jesus. And it's as if by you saying rebuke the devil, I rebuke you, Satan, like that's, that, that's it. That's the spiritual warfare. And I, what I'm hearing from you guys is that's, that's not exactly it. That's, that's not what the Bible's talking about. I'm like I'm so I'm I'm kind of glad that that um Andrew st started bringing up the imagery like you imagine like this scary looking thing when we know the Bible tells us the complete opposite of uh like the, that Satan does not look like that it, it tells us that, that that in heaven while he was still in heaven he was like he was one of the most beautiful beings up there so a lot of people have like this perception like mm. they deem like scary things related to the devil they think like something scary is going to happen to them something that they don't mm -hmm. like is what's going to come at them that that's going to be their temptation something they don't like but the fact that the devil is not how it's not how how movies it's not how cartoons depict them it's somebody that's physically like um i guess you could i could i guess you could use the word some, for someone that's physically attractive something that you like and what, what, what makes me think of that is like, okay, the devil is never going to attack me or come at me with something I don't like. It's always going to be something that's appealing to me. Something okay. that's yeah, yeah, so, 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 but, but let me, cause I, cause I disagree with, uh, with you a little bit on that. I, I, I know you're saying the devil will never, I think the devil will, will many times come at us with things that we like, but I think sometimes the devil will use things that we don't like to pressure us into into doing things and i don't know we're gonna yeah i, I should i should use a different term but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you're right you, you, you understand what i'm saying though right yeah. i mean I, I feel like the devil will use any any type of thing and just when you say attractive really quickly andrew before you uh jump in here uh i was just thinking of some of the great men in scripture that have fallen into sin and the, the person that popped into my mind was david and david was out there king king of israel out there uh, up in his balcony in his palace and whatever and he sees Bathsheba. what's funny is that David, you could argue that he seduced himself into it because I don't know. And there's nothing in scripture that tells me that Bathsheba was doing that on purpose. But that being said, right, was he not being attacked at that moment by the devil? For sure. And it wasn't like an attack with like spears and swords and stuff that hurts, which is what you're trying to get to, Jason, right? Exactly. It's idea that, oh, there's this beautiful woman that's half naked out there and she's taking a bath and he starts looking and lusting and then he does all the craziness that he does 
And that was the devil putting a temptation because temptation, I think, is a big part of this conversation, right? That that eventually leads David into sin. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I just kind of wanted to go along those lines. It's like I remember here. I don't. I don't remember where I heard it, but I remember people are saying like, "I wish, I wish Satan would try to tempt me." Like you know, like I wish, like like almost like a come at me, bro. Like like if that's how Satan uh, uh, comes at us, right? And we know from all those descriptions that that we read, that's not how he works, right? It's, he's not gonna come at you from the angle that you think he's gonna come at you from, right? And that's and I mean he's uh you know um. I know that that saying can't read our minds, but he's been studying us for how many years? You know, thousands of years. You don't sure. think he knows our habits. You don't think he knows uh, our weaknesses, right? So, you know, we think when we, and, and saying laughs at, at, at that that version or that idea that, that people have of him, right? And from what we were reading, you know, so I think that, that, that we have to build uh, uh, those things, you know, in, in thinking about how he, how he comes at us and, 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 in, and in which way. Well, well, look, let's let's get into that a little bit. What what does the Bible tell us about the way? And again, we want to thank everybody that's joining us today. We're having a conversation about the attacks of the enemy. And then we're probably going to get a little bit more specific right now as to what those attacks look like. Right. Uh, and and perhaps maybe even before we jump into 2020, what what kind of attacks do you guys see in Scripture? Like, how does the devil how has the devil attacked before in the Bible and the stuff that we have written in the word of God? Um, what, what, what have you guys seen in scripture about the devil's attacks? One of the first things that, that whenever this comes up, the first one, the first scenario that always comes to mind is when he attacks Jesus, when he's trying to present Jesus, he gets, he, he tries to get you at least in, in, in regards to Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus when he was the weakest. Remember he had been already, he hadn't eaten for so many days. He hadn't even had water. So like, if we're basing it just off of like um, physiology, the body is super weak. Your your brain is deprived of nutrients. If it were any human really, that's not that didn't have anybody that doesn't 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 have that spiritual connection that Jesus had with God at that moment. If it would have been anybody else without that connection, they would have failed. Mm. But Jesus, that, that's the thing. Like Satan tries to attack you. Just looking at the, that scenario with Jesus, he tries to attack you where you're the weakest that's where he comes in because uh, as co as compared to god we're in our weaknesses that's where he comes up but the devil is the other way around it's not that through our weaknesses he he exalts himself it's through our weaknesses that he attacks us for sure by the way let me let me let me jump in this as well because um i think that the devil I, would you guys agree with this that the devil will use any and any. all means to attack you oh, you guys agree with that yeah I would agree with that. Um, obviously, one of the first things that I think of devil attacking uh, is what we see in Adam and Eve, right? Going back to that moment that's where, uh, you know, he tries to use a confusion, trickery, right? And it just kind of tries to seduce in this conversation and lead you into doubting God. Um, but I, I, I wanted just to quickly point out uh, uh, an awesome uh, uh, story in scripture where it gives us a number of scenarios about how the devil attacks. And this is the book of Nehemiah. Um, and in Nehemiah chapters four, five, and six, and I'm not going to read all this, um, but you see that the people are trying to construct the walls of Jerusalem, but they got enemies coming at, at them, right? And, and in what ways do these enemies attack? Well, there's mockery. There's confusion, right? So mockery, they make fun of you. 
uh, confusion. They try to confuse your purpose in life as God has placed it. Uh, physical persecution, right? Like actually persecuting you. We've seen this throughout history, many Christians being persecuted. Um, there is a, a distraction, right? Uh, the enemy tries to distract you from where you should be going, try to focus you on something else. There's also this idea of trying to make you fall into doubt and fear. Those are all attacks from the devil. And, and interestingly enough in that story, and I know this may be kind of off topic, but, I, but you know, feel free to chime in if you guys want. In the story of Nehemiah, there's even oppression from within the people. The rulers of the very people of God begin to oppress the poor. And that tells me that the devil can even attack you, not just from enemies themselves, but can attack you even from within the church, right? Even inside of church. So uh, again, those are some, some things that just popped into my mind regarding uh, how the devil attacks. No, no you have a point because he comes at you from every single angle possible. He's not like, obviously like it's easier for him to attack you with the things that you like and whatnot, but sometimes those things are not going to work. But so he's going to come at you from every single angle possible. And sometimes like you even said it from the church itself, that's the last place that you would think of. That's the last place you think somebody would attack you or like it would be an attack from Satan. But even that, and sadly, we do see it in church. Yeah, um, I kind of wanted to add, well, I'll, I'll add to that, that second part of, of the church because I wanted to get into that too. But uh, kind of going back to the example of Adam and Eve, right? Uh, start Starting at the very beginning, right? From the human race. If we see how everything is posed, you know, Satan comes out of, at, at them and says, did God really say, right? In question format. So if we apply that today, we can see if we can start to become aware of how Satan works, he makes us question, right? And the second he says, the second thing he says that you will not surely die with a blatant lie, right? Saying you will not uh, 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 surely die, right? And then the last part where he says, you will become like God knowing good and evil, which is a half truth, right? In some sense, they were going to become like God in the sense that they were going to know good and evil, but they weren't going to become like God in the sense that they were eternal and all these other things. Right. So we can see just from that quick, uh, little, uh, you know, breakdown that Satan, when he tries to attack us, he makes us question God. Mm. He tells us things that are true and he mixes it with things that are lie. And, and I think that yeah, that's why we have, yeah. Huh? He does the whole half truths, the whole half truth. Exactly. And, and we see how, how he works, but, uh, to that second part that you guys were talking about with the church. Andrew, Andrew hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. Before, before you go to the church, though, can I ask you something? Do you feel that uh, questioning things is falling into the devil's traps and, and, and attacks? Or are, are you okay with someone questioning? Not okay with someone questioning? What do you see as the... It, because I, I sometimes think like it's good for us for us to have questions. So, so where do I draw the line there? No, I... I... I, I'm not at all against questions. What we see here is the confusion. Mm. And the problem is, what do we do with that confusion? We see how Satan works. Mm. The problem is, what do we do with that confusion? And we see, obviously, uh, they, they made the wrong decision. But when it comes to questions, we know that questions are good. We know that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night with questions, right? And he wasn't fully convinced that Jesus was who he was, right? He knew to some extent that he was a, a great prophet. And maybe to that extent, that's it. Right. And we of course, he has that that uh, the whole, um, you know, uh, that whole interaction with Nicodemus and completely almost opens his mind to something uh, 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 completely new and different. And we see that, you know, uh, uh, at Jesus crucifixion, you know, he's one of the ones that is present. 
right? And, and, and we see that it had an impact on him. The, the idea is where are we bringing our questions to? Okay, right? okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, no, or right, who right, right. are we bringing our questions to? And and the problem is is in seeing how Satan works. Of course, you know he he makes us question God. He gives us half truths. The problem is, do how do we respond to those half truths? And, and um, how do we respond to those questions? Right? And where do we bring them? And I think that's that's where we kind of bring it into uh, how we how we uh, respond to those things today. You know, um, a lot of times we have questions, yeah. and sometimes we don't try to look for answers. We just yeah. leave it in question format, right? And the more questions we ask and not try to grasp those answers, that's where Satan kind of starts. That you're on, you're on Satan's, uh, how would you say it? You're on his, uh, uh, on his battleground. All those questions, unanswered questions, right? That's, that's his territory, right? So as, as Christians, and I keep using this term throughout our, all of our uh, talks, right? We can't stay in that bubble and just say, just, allow whatever uh, uh, the preacher or our church feeds us and say, you know, be okay with those, those answers. We have to, there is a searching part from our perspective that we have, you know, just because pastor Mitch has all the answers to the questions doesn't mean that fortifies my faith. We have to, as ourselves, as individual uh, Christians have to answer, have a duty to answer ourselves to those questions. Right, and those half truths and bring those to God. But but you know what? But look, let me and let me ask you guys this though, because I think this is this is important. Uh, for sure, sin entered by questioning God, right, or, or by by allowing those questions to take over. But I, is it possible? And I'm only asking. I'm not. I'm not saying this is this is the answer. But I'm just saying, is it possible that a lot of times the reason why we fall into the attacks of the enemy, or why we fall by those attacks, why we fall into his temptations, is because when we question. We really don't want the answer. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, like one thing is you're, you're questioning and you're truly trying to figure out like Nicodemus was, um, and like some other people in, in, in scripture, like Job, for example, who is not questioning God because he, he is trying to get away from God, but he's questioning God because he doesn't quite understand what is happening. That's one type of questioning. But I think, and look, again, we're speaking to a lot of young people right now. I think a lot of times as young people, we got the question. We just don't want the answer because we don't like what the answer is going to be, right? And 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 it's almost like we're playing directly into the devil's hands. Instead of saying, "Look, I may not like this," because look, we 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 do live in a society in a culture that is very entitled, right? Very entitled. And and what I mean by that is that it's like it's all about me. What I want is what I want, and. Uh, if you don't give this to me, I- I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to blame you for not giving it to me. Now, we can talk about what type of culture we live in, a whole different conversation. What I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes we ask the question because we want to hear a different answer. Not because we want to hear the truth, but because we want to hear a different answer. Right? And like we'll know something is wrong. Hey, can I do this on the Sabbath? You already know what the answer to that is. But you ask the question because you're trying to find a way to open the door. And, and that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. It's exactly what the devil wants you to do, to try to find excuses for your sin, as opposed to ground yourself in the truth that is scripture. What do you guys think about that? I think you hit, you, 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 that hits it on point. Because sometimes I feel like they, they just, people just ask the question to see if they could instigate something. And that's, 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 that's what's wrong with asking those type of questions. Like you don't go off asking questions, not wanting to know the answer. 
the reason the point of a question is to ask a question to figure out an answer to find an answer so how am i going to go to god and tell him like hey god is this a sin even though i already know that the bible is saying is a sin or go ask somebody else like hey look i did this you think it's a sin even though the bible it clearly tells you like it's a sin like yeah look i let me let me yeah let me interject real quick because it just reminded me remember that moment where jesus is talking uh is in front of Pilate. Dude, you just took my verse. Yes, right, 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 and, then, right and, then, here. and then there's that moment where, and, and you can read it. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it real quick, but go, I have go it, ahead. I have it. I'll read it. Okay, yeah, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's in verse 30, I was, I had already looked it up all the way. It says, "They answered, answered, and said to him, if it were, if it were not an evildoer, would we not have delivered him up to you?'" Then Pilate said to them, "You take him and judge him according to your law." Therefore, the Jews said to him, "Is it not lawful for us to put anyone to death?" that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, calling Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, now yes, at this yes, point, yes, he has that yes. conviction that there's yes. something there. And he, it's almost like a rhetorical question that he's asking. Are you the king of the Jews? Like I'm about to put you, I have the, he says, I have the power to do this, right? Or that. And then, of course, Jesus goes on to tell him, you know, if that, that power wouldn't have been given to you. Right. But he says, Jesus answered, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Right. And this, this is crazy because this even brings up uh, another verse. It reminds me of uh, what Peter. Right. When they ask him, who do you say that I am? Some say Elijah, right. some say a, a prophet. And he says, but who do you say that I am? Right. The, the son, the Messiah. Right. The, the, the Holy One of God. Right. So it's almost like he's saying, who is saying, are you getting this from other people or are you being convicted? Right. Are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you concerning me? Okay. Okay. Let me, hold on, yeah. hold on. Cause it could let me, cause I, cause I see that question. I see exactly what you're saying. I see it maybe slightly different, but, but along that line, hear me out. When Jesus, when he says, are you the King of the Jews? And Jesus says, look, are you asking for yourself or because others told you, I think that question is really important. Cause he's asking, look, are you, are you asking me just simply to figure out what's going on? Or is exactly. this really an issue of your heart? Exactly. Right. And, and I, and I think that this goes to, to uh, Jesus trying to make Pilate analyze his own heart and saying, why are you asking the question? Why? Like, like, it's not about asking questions. It's about trying to figure out why you're asking it. And how many times have we asked a question, just trying to get another answer? Oh, here, quick story. Right. Uh, 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 um, a young lady is sitting in a in a church listening to a sermon where a pastor says that it's totally fine for you to go to parties uh, as long as you don't drink. Okay, so you could go and, and just just do whatever as long as you don't drink. Young lady says, "Thank you, pastor. I am relieved that you told me this because now I went to a party the other day and I felt bad. You know, I didn't drink, but I felt bad because there was music and I was dancing and I was this and that. And I'm thinking, no, 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 that's totally wrong, right?" You're trying to find a reason to excuse your actions. This is a way the devil attacks you, right? In, in, in trying to make you go against scripture by asking these questions. And I find Jesus' question there fascinating, right? Because he's saying, look, what, what is this? Is this about you or is this about others? Which one is it? Yeah. And let me, let, me, let me finish it because it says, Pilate answered, I am a Jew. Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered into the Jews, to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate said, therefore said to him, are you the king then? Again, right? He has, he's, tugging, he's tugging right there. Mm -hmm. Jesus answered, you say 
rightly that I am the king for this is the, the cause I was born and this is the cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is the truth, here's my, here's my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Now he asked Jesus twice. He's tugging with this. Are you the king? Now Jesus confirms it and said, you have rightly said, I am right. The king. And even when he hears the truth, because there's a, there's a thing that we do when we, when we don't have a, a, a black and white, right? When there's a gray area, uh, we will say, you know, just like you said, we'll try to justify ourselves or find a way around it. But now that the truth has come to you and you still fight against that, it's almost like you don't want to hear the truth. You want to hear what you want to hear. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Jason, sorry, man. I cut you off in the middle of that. I know you were trying to find the right words, but... No, no, it's okay. But it, it, we always try to find the excuse for something. Right. And that, that that's exactly how the devil works. Like, it's just excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. Um, and let me... Yeah, no, but no, no, but you're, but you're, you're right. It's excuse after excuse, but we have to recognize uh, the devil can only tempt, right? I mean, he's not going to force us to do anything, so, but, but he's, 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 he's touching something that is in us, right? He, he's, he's, he's reaching out to this thing that appeals to us that says, you know what? Yeah, I want to do whatever I want to do. I don't really want to hear what's going on. And, and I just think this is a big challenge with young people today. And this is why, how many times, guys, literally, and to, and to all my young people that are listening right now, how many times have we heard a young person say, I think church is boring? Say, say that again? How, how many times have we heard a young person say, I think church is boring? Several. Oh, you know, wait a minute. I was wait one of them. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. And, and if you think about it, essentially, church is about discussing the the life changing, the ultimate questions, the exist existential questions of life. That's not boring. I'm sorry. That's not boring. The issue is not church. The issue is our interest in the truth. And like Pilate. Oh, you just told me the truth. Uh, I mean, what, what is truth? Really brushing it what off as it yeah, brushing, brushing it off as if saying like, eh, there's no such thing. By the way, speaking of another way that devil attacks nowadays, Nowadays, devil comes in, man, and there's all these ideas of like there's many truths, right? There's not just one truth. That's that's an attack of the devil right now, where there's no such thing as truth, right? Everybody has their own way of thinking. That's an attack for sure. Yeah. No, going to going uh, going with that line of thinking, uh, uh, the truth. I, I was actually going to mention that one too. You know, there's a verse here that I have uh, in Second Corinthians eleven through three, right? And this is uh, something that Paul was dealing with that. Uh, at that time uh, uh, with the false teachers, it says, but I fear lest somehow as the, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that Paul is going back to that same analogy that we're using uh, of the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Of course, right. We're, we're talking about how Satan works, right? He doesn't work out in the open, but He's crafty. He's subtle, right? So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, it's interesting. He uses the word simplicity of, of, of the message, mm. right? It reminds me of another verse, right? Where he talks about Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But he says, but we preach cru Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews. And um, I forgot what the rest of the verse says, uh, stumbling block to the Jews and 
Oh man, I gotta find the something verse. To the, yeah, to the, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, right? But in essence, what we see here is we're seeing that Paul himself was dealing with this in in the early church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, these false teachers, right? And just kind of what you're going off, right? Well, this idea of multiple truths, right? It's something that we see now. People almost we're coming to this place where knowledge we're, we're, we're at this place of surplus of knowledge right a couple of weeks back where we we're talking about the pioneers where uh something that was uh, going on was uh the baconianism right the the, the surplus or the, the the resurgence of uh, of uh, of science and math and all these things that were that were flooded now we're living in a generation where literally maybe anyone could uh pick up the bible and, and start learning greek and hebrew and all these different we mm. there's literally no excuse to to truth right to the idea of what is truth there there is no excuse for that but here is saying the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus now we've come to a place i feel like that knowledge is so overwhelmingly uh, uh there that the message of Jesus Christ and the simplicity of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins it's almost too simple for people it reminds me of that scene where paul is coming to speak to a uh, a uh, 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 people on mars hill right where he goes that you have an unknown god right the inscription of an unknown god and, and he's speaking to them he says that the stoics and the philosophers all that they did nothing but uh, uh, uh talk about the new ideas and what was going on and that's what we're living at today we're i feel like we're living in this place where science philosophy all these different branches of knowledge have become uh, uh so uh um there's so overwhelming so much overwhelming knowledge that almost the simplicity of jesus christ it almost yeah. doesn't, it becomes a stumbling block just as, 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 uh, as, uh, Paul says it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but, uh, so Jason, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, um, there's actually a, a YouTuber on a YouTuber called uh, his, his channel is called Forerunner Chronicles. And he has a line at the end of every single one of his videos that I just love. And it fits yeah. in perfectly yeah. with this. Yeah. He says the truth is the truth. And he points the finger and says, whether you like it or not. Right. And I love that because that's, that's sometimes why we make excuses because I don't like it. Like when you present somebody the Bible, a typical excuse, when you present God to somebody and you tell them, oh, come to church today. Hold on. I have to get my stuff in check. Mm. Hold on. I have to get my life together. That's a, that's a, that's a typical one that I've heard a lot. Mm. Wait, hold on. It's because I have to, I have to get rid of this. Like there's always that excuse because maybe because you don't like the fact that it's against the Bible to drink. It's against the Bible to to have sex before marriage it's against the bible to uh, or it's not uh, it doesn't align with god's morals that you're doing so and so thing and because of that you make an excuse and when you make those excuses that's where the devil comes in and it's like hey look he's got an excuse let me see where i could work with this and it, it ends up leading you further and further from the truth and and it's because sometimes we just don't like it we we live in a generation where telling the truth or being uh, just because my the truth that I have is different from what you believe in, from what you want to believe in, it's already wrong. And it, it, we see it right now with a lot of the political movements that are going on right now, especially when it comes to be, getting biblical. Oh man, don't don't even show up. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 becoming a very big problem nowadays. I think, uh, and 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 we have to we have to get to that. I I, I do want to ask you guys because I, I want to read a quote to you guys, kind of taking a step back real quick. And we, we we have to talk about the stuff that our young people are facing today for sure. But I, I just want I just want to hear what your opinion is on this. Uh, this is uh, found in um uh patriarchs and, patriarchs and prophets uh, page seven seven. Not, not Mike Tyson. 
No, not Mike Tyson. No, I, hey, I have not quoted Mike Tyson, guys. I, be honest with you, you know? um, I, who, who, who quoted Mike Tyson last? That was uh, me, ne actually. Never mind. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> anyways, this is Ellen White writing, and she says, the work of the enemy is not abrupt. And in another version of this quote, she says, the work of the enemy is not at the outset sudden and startling. It's not. It's not all of a sudden, right? It says... Uh, it is a secret undermining of the strongholds of principle. Strongholds of what? Of, of principle. Of principle. Think about what she's saying. Hold on. Listen to the statement, right? She says that the way the enemy attacks is by undermining the strongholds of principle. It begins in apparently small things. The neglect to be true to God and to rely upon him wholly, the disposition to follow the customs and practices of the world. See, I, I, I think that's, that's a super powerful quote because what she's saying is, look, oh, you expect a huge temptation. Like literally, if the devil were to show up to our young people and say, bow down and worship me, I don't think any of them would do it. I don't think any of them would do it. Like, no, this is the devil. I'm not going to do that. But if the devil says, hey, why, why don't you listen why don't you listen to the song? Why don't you listen to this, just to some reggaeton? Why don't you listen to, to some bachata or whatever, right? I'll, I'll do that. No problem. That's it's something small. It's not a big deal. I just like music, blah, blah, right? Th this, is, this is the mentality. And what we don't know, what we don't understand, or we don't recognize is that the devil begins to work in small little things that eventually make the whole structure fall down. It's not big things. It's not. It's, it's small things. The attacks of the devil begin in very, very small ways. What, what, what say you guys to that? I actually have a perfect example of that. When I was in high school, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure you guys know that I play the trombone. Um, no, nah, I didn't school. know that. I didn't know that, bro. <laughs> um, we want proof. In Next high week. school, I, one, of, one, of the, one of the styles of music that I used to love playing was jazz. I just loved it. And it just so happened that it was even first year in high school. And we had a competition. It wasn't a competition um, from what my teacher had told me. We weren't competing for first, second, or third place. We were just going to go perform in front of some judges mm. at RCC on a Sabbath, a Sabbath afternoon. Mm. So my thing, me trying to make the excuses was, hey, it's not a competition. I'm not competing. Um, it's not. It's not bad music. It's not anything talking about so-and-so thing it's just lyrical it's just music um and i mean the sun's about to go down who says i can't show up i'll go to church with my parents in the morning then i'll show up right that one situation yeah it wasn't a competition all this but because i made that excuse later on down the road it really it, it, it really like backlashed at me later on down the road when i was in marching band i decided to not go to a performance on a saturday morning the teacher decides to give me an f Mm. And it ended up being this huge, this huge situation where I even had to go take it up to the school district and everything because I look because of my religious beliefs. Da, 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 da. And in that meeting, the teacher said, OK, but what about when you went to the jazz, when you went to the, to the jazz, Ouch. jazz ensemble? Ouch. And that, that hit me like a brick. And never did I think of that. But it was because that one time, that one time, right. a small little thing that I, to me, it was something small. And I thought it was going to be inconvenient to me because I like jazz because of the, but because of that one little thing that I decided to do to go play some, some, somewhere uh, on a Sabbath. And it wasn't Christian music. It wasn't, it wasn't something for God. 
because of that small choice, that small scenario, it mm. ended up being something huge later on down the road. And that's exactly how the devil works. It's always yeah. small little things, small yeah. little things that we, that we like, ah, just a little bit this time. Like I won't do it ever again. And yeah. then like, yeah. you like it. Oh, wait, just a little bit more. Ah, I'll take a whole spoonful this time. And it's just, it keeps on getting gradual, gradual, gradual until you're so sucked into it that you can't get out. That's yeah. exactly how he works. Yeah. J Jason, I have, I have something that I told my young people, you guys may have heard me say this before. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I get these questions, obviously, in, in my position as a youth pastor and um, uh, different questions. Right. I mean, a bunch of different things. But uh, a lot of times my answer is do not violate your conscience. Lord's already telling you, no, don't do this. You already know this. Don't violate it, because the moment that you violate your conscience once, it's much easier to do it again and again and in bigger things. This, this is a truth and a reality of how the devil works against us, right? And it's almost like, I would put it this way, it's almost like um, uh, you have to keep on guard at all times, even at the smallest things. That's why, That's why. look, let me say this, and this may, this may be completely off topic, I get it. But this is why I sometimes, it makes sense to me when we start talking about the way we dress. And for example, we start talking about jewelry, right? And we start saying like, oh, uh, you know, uh, as Adventists, we shouldn't wear this. And there are other Adventists that say it doesn't matter. But what I've seen more often than not is that there are things that we should just guard even the smallest things on. Because those smallest things eventually lead you to greater and bigger things. Um, you may not be vain at the moment, but you start allowing things that are, that are, uh, that, that are vain, right? That will open the door to vanity. You may not be selfish at the moment, but perhaps you say, I'm not going to give my tithe the full way. And then slowly you become more selfish as you go. Just begin small. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I, see. I, think, I think that's true. Uh, you know, we start to compromise in, in the smaller things and we may not see it as something big. You know, I'm going to share one uh, recently that, that I'll, I'll put myself on the, how would you say it? On the, on the, hot, on the, on the hot seat, on the, on the, hot seat, <laughs> on the, on the, Hey, you need, you need to get back on track. You know, um, recently, and this is not even, may not even be anything big, but you know, um, I'm used to, I used to, I used to wear ties all the time. Right. Okay. And I, and I got into the habit of like, man, these things are uncomfortable. I'm going to, I'm going to stop wearing ties. Right. You know? And like, at first it was like, you know, what? when I, when I go up and seeing, I'll just not wear a tie. Right. I'll just not wear a tie, you know, like, Oh, you know, maybe, you know, I forgot my tie for, for a sermon or something, you know, and that conviction, it was on my heart. Right. But because slowly, slowly I stopped wearing a tie, you know, and you guys might, may be saying, Oh, this is not a big deal. Well, you're not wearing a tie, but I'm just showing the example of, you know, now, like it's become so second nature of not wearing the tie. Now I find it even more difficult to put on a tie when I'm like, man, people have already seen me without a tie. Like, why am I going to go up there with a tie? Like now I'm comfortable. You know, it's this idea of like you getting comfortable in, in that, in the, in those areas. Right. That makes it even harder to get out of those. Right. And this is just a small example uh, uh, of this, you know, and um, we can get into the the whole yeah. dress and why we it's, should wear it no, right. some other time, but you know, right, right, right. But what you're, what you're trying to say, Andrew, if I'm if I'm understanding correctly, it's not that not wearing a tie is bad. Exactly. It's that the small things will lead you to do even bigger things. Exactly. Right? And not to violate your conscience, though, which is clear. Like if your conviction is, hey, I gotta wear a tie, right? And then all of a sudden you're working against that, 
and you become to a place now you come to a place where you're like you're okay with not wearing a tie you mm. violated your conscience now it's like you you're in a lower place and now it's harder to get back to that place that you were at at one point if that makes sense and sure. not like i'm trying to say that wearing a tie or not is bad or good you know that you know that i'll leave that conviction to everybody else and we can leave that for another talk for but i just wanted to share that and i wanted to share a quote with for you guys from ellen white that says uh, from, uh, I don't know if it's manuscript uh, releases or says, it will be difficult now for you to make the changes in your character, which God requires you to make, because it was difficult for you to be punctual and prompt of action in youth. When the characters form, the habits fixed, and the mental and moral faculties have become firm, it is most difficult to unlearn wrong habits to be prompt in action. Mm. Yeah, no, look, it's 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 there, obviously, and I and I think it's important. Again, just so we don't lose focus of what we're talking about, we're essentially trying to analyze how it is according to Scripture, a spirit of prophecy, how the devil attacks us, right? Um, and and before we jump into this next part, because I think it's important that we talk about young people and those attacks. Uh, again, we want to uh, thank everybody that's joining us today. We I figured today was going to be a little bit slow because there are a lot of other things going on at the moment, but. Uh, we do have some interesting comments. Uh, uh, Eugenia says, uh, Gina says, uh, only boring people get bored. Uh, amen to that. Okay. That is true. Only boring. <laughs> only, uh, you, you know, look, church, church is a very interesting thing. And I think maybe we need to have a conversation on how I can make church more interesting to me. Right. Um, Isaura says he attacks by creeping comprom compromises. And this is what we're talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Slowly you start making these little compromises and, and then we go from here, we go from there and we start doing bigger things. And then uh, Angie, my wife, shout out to my wife. Who's that? Uh, she says, yeah, yeah, <laughs> your wife. wife. Most beautiful woman in the world. There we go. Uh, uh, hey, that's debatable yeah. if you ask me. Well, you know if what? If you ask it's, Jason, it's, hey. If you ask me. Hey. Hey. It's, hey, it's, hey. It, it's law and principle in my book, so I can't oh, say anything. Hey. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, she says we must guard our godly, our godly principles. And this is, a, this is very interesting. I hear over and over. Well, if so-and-so does it, why can't I do it? And that, look, that's another way that the devil goes after young people, because you know what? We're, we're so susceptible to peer pressure, right? We don't realize it. And you know how many times I've heard young people say, oh, I'm not being influenced by anybody else. That's not true. Can we just admit the fact that life is about being influenced by a million things at once? Like this is life. You, you, you are not unsusceptible to influences. We are all influenced by one thing or another, right? And we have to recognize that our friends, or the people around us, can influence in many ways. But have you guys heard that before? Uh, oh, if so-and-so does it, why can't I do it? Is, is, that, is that not an attack directly from the devil's lips? Well, just, just, just to make it more simple, just on, on the peer pressure thing and like people like influencing us, sports teams, what sports teams you go to, what sports you like, what colors really that you like. Sometimes it's because of the people that we hang out with. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's even our family. That, that that's what, like pushes us towards that and um yeah I've, I've heard that several times especially in the case of my brother and my sister like it's like he, like one of them will get in trouble for something oh yeah but he did it too or like yeah. oh but she did it too yeah. obviously yeah. this was when they were younger but they're always like trying to it's always like trying to like ease ease getting the blame on or getting trying to get out of the blame trying to get out an, ex, an excuse out of it and when it, when it comes to like things in church, like it's like, okay, like I want to do it. So if I find somebody else and does it, I won't get so much in trouble or like, oh, or maybe they'll let me do it after all. 
And that happens a lot with the youth. And um, it, it's kind of hard, especially if you have someone that, if they're pointing out someone that, that's, that's, in a, that's in a leadership position. If it's someone in a leadership position that's doing something that's wrong, it gets things, it makes things harder for you to try to explain to that youth, like, dude, that's not how things go. Um, Andrew, Andrew, can I, can, I, can, I, can I ask you guys something, Jason, you as well, to what you're saying right now. Is it possible that we could be used as an attack from the devil? That we what? That, that, that we could be used as an attack from the devil. Like we could, like the devil could use us to attack others. I honestly think so. Absolutely. If, if, yeah. there's one day, if there's one day where I decide to compromise my relationship with God, it could be the smallest little thing. But if that one day I decide to com compromise, it's in that compromise right there that the devil could use me to throw somebody else off their off the, the path to God. As a matter That's of fact, I, I was going to read. A, oh, sorry, Jason. Continue. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. I, I wanted to read a verse from Romans 2.24. It says, 224, it says, as it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. In essence, what, uh, what Paul's yeah. writing here wow. is, is he's saying, you know, sometimes you, right, well, the Gentiles being the world, right, it's almost like if he's speaking to the church, you know, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of, or the world is, is because of you, because of how you are a hypocrite, I would say, or how are you are misrepresenting God in your Christian lifestyle, right? All of a sudden, we'll, we'll find ourselves, you know, we call ourselves Christian uh, or Seventh-day Adventists, and, you know, we're out there, uh, you know, buying food on the Sabbath. We're out there, you know, before the sundown, we're doing all, all these things that we shouldn't be doing Friday night. Or, or you name it, right? And people who are on the outside, people that don't even come to church say, why do I want that? You do the exact same thing that I do, mm. right? Or even worse, they say, well, why would I want to worship that God? No wonder I don't go to right. church, right. right? Right. And I think that verse uh, says it pretty clearly. Yeah, and I, and I was thinking, Jason, along the lines of what, what you were trying to say as well, right? Um, uh, sometimes we allow things in our lives and then another young person or somebody else at church or somebody else that's struggling with something, instead of looking at us and saying, man, I, you know, I, I want to be close to God like you are, they're going to be like, well, no, if so-and-so did that, why wouldn't I, right? Like, oh, you, well, if, if Jason went to a jazz festival, to use your exactly. example, right? Um, or you can imagine another young person, maybe in the same class, that Seventh-day Adventist and goes and says, no, you know what, I can't, I can't go because, um, you know, this is, uh, uh, th this is against my religion. It's like, hey, well, doesn't he go to your church as well? Like, he's that's happened. Perfect example is the workplace. And I've had that happen to me. Mm. It's like, oh, well, he says he's Adventist too, but he did, he does this on Saturdays too. And it's like, it puts you, it, it kind of puts you in an awkward position with that person, especially sure. when you try to talk about God. Sure, sure, for sure. Now, Isaura says, could a tie be considered jewelry mm -hmm. for men? I am not, Isaura, 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 I'm not going to get into the conversation about the tie, okay? Hey, that, that's, uh, hey that'll be, have to be another topic, though, uh, about uh, uh, fashion or, or, or dress. I think yeah, that'll yeah, be a good topic. I, I, I think we should. I think we should. I, and, if we and, have that conversation, though, we need to get a woman on board. <laughs> you know what? Look, if we're going to have a conversation, we're going to end up talking about men's fashion as opposed to... to <laughs> you know, that's, that's interesting, but uh, no, it's, I, I'm, I'm kidding. It's, it's a good question uh, because um, they're, they're, where, where do we draw the line yeah. to being uh, formal or being decorative, right? Or being vain. 
in that line of things. And I think it's an important conversation to have. I think we have to explore that in the future. Hey, hey, if that, if that yeah. tie is made of gold, it has a <laughs> has all kinds of maybe possibly. No, no, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I mean, it's something that we got to talk about. We will write that down and we will come back to that question. Um, but but I wanted to ask you guys this as well. Um, you know, we've been referencing young people a lot in this conversation. Why are young people important to the devil? I mean, why not just go and attack our parents? Why attack us? To me, to me, it's because young people have such an influence. If you like, if you go, if you go on Instagram per se, just on Instagram, even YouTuber, YouTube, the most famous people, the people that have the largest amounts of following are young people. It could be a teenager with some funny videos on TikTok to some some YouTuber that's 21, 22, 23, around that age area mm. doing some really cool stuff on YouTube. Mm. Their, their stuff is going everywhere. So their influence level is just is high, especially because they're young. So imagine you have a youth with that, with that type of with that type of, 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 of drive and with that type of influence, telling people smoking is good. So like, oh, I drink, you should drink too. The influence, uh, the influence on all the people that are hearing that it's going to be big, especially if it's someone that's famous it's like, or someone that has like, because they're so famous on YouTube, they have all, they've become like a young millionaire. It's like, look, he's doing that. And look at his success, making the things, it makes worldly things look as that's like the epitome of success. But now if you have a youth, if you have another youth and say, Hey, look, this is the life, this is the life, the truth and the way. If you have someone with that type of influence doing that, all the good work that they could do, all the people they could reach out to because they have the platform for it. That's why to me, youth is so important, especially in this time of age, especially in the times that we're living now that we're stuck at home. It's so important for the youth to, to use their, their influence correctly. So, so you would say that the, the reason why could you could you make the same argument that this is why uh, young people are also very important in church, in ministry, uh, in uh, exactly. as well because of the influence? Okay, because so, so yeah, so you would say because of how influential young people can be or will be, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew, what about you? What what do you think is the reason as to why uh, young people are are attacked so much by the devil? Why why, why are young people so important for the devil? Um, you know. I think that the the foundation uh, of of our morale, the foundation of uh, of our Christianity, the foundation of where we are going, the the compass is affected in our youth, right? That foundation is laid in our younger years, right? That's why uh, the Bible says, you know, uh, teach a teach your children when they're young, so that when they're older, they will not depart, you know, because there's something there. There's a foundation that is hard to unlearn that there is a moral compass that is that is built at that age that that I think um could for the for for good or for bad right uh in Psalms 127 3 through 4 says behold children are a heritage from the Lord the fruit of the fruit of the womb is is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior so are the children of one's youth right so right here is using the example that the arrows in the hands of a warrior that's how they are how that's how the young people are right to god right they're the ones that are out there prosecuting the work right and i think the same thing the the opposite could be said for the op for for satan as well you know and i think that that battle and we're talking about the great controversy for the young people because a strong young person right 
can do more than you know even even as i'm getting older i can see like uh, jason was saying the influence that a young person can have you know uh even amongst his peers right there's something to be said about a young person who has god in their heart that they can say to a to another peer that someone like me or someone like you or someone like any of us just can't say right there and, and it goes back to the idea that you know there's certain people that can only be reached by certain people right and sure and i believe that the young people right we're sometimes in church where we're so worried about the young people and it's good you know and i think at different uh stages of your life you learn different parts right you know they, they say when you get older you're you're a person that's always on your knees right you learn the idea of prayer because i think there's a part of that that's that sees that as the older you get, the less relatable in some sense you become to the young person, that sure. at that point, what you can, the only thing you can do is pray for them. And there's something as a young person that you can do for your peers, right? With God in your heart, that you can show them through your influence. And, and I think that some something that a, 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 a young person working for God can only do, right? Yeah. Just, like, yeah. just like there's only certain people that we can reach. There's only, you know, the young people's, you know, sometimes can only be reached by their peers. No, no, I, I hear you guys. I, I think I think you guys are, are right on that. I wanted to add one more thing, though. I think uh, young people are really important. Um, uh, and, and I'm going to bring a historical example. Uh, in 1926, uh, the uh, Hitler Youth or the Youth of Hitler were founded. And these were for 14 to 18 year old teenagers. Um, and they were trained in a lot of different things uh you know history um uh the uh this this uh this uh, uh, this political um atmosphere that was starting to build up in germany um also they were even trained in like martial arts and fighting and weaponry um and and they were taught to think a certain way now what's fascinating is this was 1926 you guys remember world war ii uh starts what 1939 1940 right around there and during that time you also have a massive amount of genocide happening at the hands of uh, of Germany, right? And and uh, and of of, of Nazis and and uh, German troops. Now, what leads someone? I've always asked this question. I preached on this before. What leads someone to go and kill children? To go and kill teenagers? To go and kill old people? To go and kill any type of person simply because they were born a certain race? Well, they've been indoctrinated, right? They, they were indoctrinated a certain way. And this started when they were young. And Hitler was a very smart man, evil man, smart man, though. And I, I think he understood what the devil understands very, very clearly, which is that if you get young people on board for something now, you got in your hands the future. Are you guys following me? Like, if, if you're able to influence young people a certain way now, then tomorrow it's yours. If I'm able to convince a generation of young people that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the future is going to be looking very, very good for Christians, which is exactly what Jesus did, by the way. Because let's remember that Jesus died probably somewhere between the age of 31 and 33. I mean, he was a young person by definition. His followers were young as well for the times that they lived, mm -hmm. how many years they lived, they were young. And so Jesus grabbed a group of young people. Oh, and that 
change the world completely. God knows this. The devil knows this. They're all trying to attack young people. Uh, and the devil and his enemies are trying to attack young people. Jesus and God are trying to recruit young people, right? And saying, look, we stand for good. The devil stands for evil. All of this is going on. Why? Because it determines what kind of future you're going to see in the church, in society. And, and just so you know, like the craziness, I, and this, again, this is all historical, but you guys, you guys can argue against this if you want. That's fine. This is what I truly believe. It is my opinion that the reason we are in problems right now is because there was a generation of young people that completely rebelled to tradition, to principles, to even church. The 1960s was a crazy time, crazy time. All right. And there was a lot of rebellion going on. By the way, if in 1960, let's just say you were 20 years old, how old would you be now? Right? Wouldn't you be about 70 years old? Well, who are the leaders of the country right now, by the way? Wasn't it all these people who were young during the 1960s, during all that hippie movement and all those things? So what you see is that if the devil says, if I can capture young people, I got the future in my hand. And I think that's why they're important. Um, but by the way, we got some questions coming in. Um, there's a message, I think, for you, Andy. I'm assuming. Andy, yeah, I was going to give a shout yeah. out to my cousin, Jordy. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay. Uh, hey, uh, uh, last time we had Dan on, he kept calling me Andy, and then in my head I was like, "That's you know, only my if, if any if you hear anyone call me Andy, that's they're one of my relatives." So for, 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 sure, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Shout no, out to my cousin Jordan. At, at least it's not Andre, right? It's not. It's not yeah, Andre. Uh, Andre. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, for, for sure. We just want to make sure we clear that up. Um, there's some interesting questions, by the way. Uh, Jessica points out that she would definitely want a conversation on fashion and modesty. So definitely something we got to look into. Um, uh, Angie, once again, I, I kind of want to step back here because I think these are some important questions. What can our young people do to know that as Seventh-day Adventists, we have the truth? Or how can our churches support them, even if it feels like we're going against the current? Because isn't that an attack from the devil, making you feel like you are by yourself and you're going against the current? What, what, what would we say to young people? Kind of briefly, because we got some other questions we got we to gotta mention. Yeah, we, we kind of talked about it this last time. Um, it, it is hard. It is hard, but we, well, I don't know if we were talking about it on the on on live conversation it was just between us but we were talking about how everybody promotes being different as a good thing like being different is the cool thing but we don't necessarily like like do it all the time and that's the, that's one of the things like everybody tries to blend in but be be different at the same time and being a youth uh, being 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 our youth like our youth we have to educate them to the point where it's like hey man it's okay to be different it's okay to be different from your friends. It's okay to do different things. It's okay to not do what they're doing. It's more than okay to not do that. that, that but, that's the problem. Cause I don't necessarily, I feel, I honestly feel like we've never really gotten to that point where like, Hey dude, it's okay to be different. Even adults at our church are still trying to like, to be, to fit in with, with the society that we have nowadays. Hey Jason, but, but you know what? I, I know we've had this conversation before and I think I'm going to say the same thing I, I said when we had this conversation, right? Um, which is, uh, I, I believe that one of the biggest challenges when we feel like we're going against the current is to know that you have a church backing you up. When the church doesn't back you up as a young person, you're going to feel alone. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel very alone. If you don't find the, 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 the family and, and the family support, the friend support, the, the relational support, as Ty Gibson would probably say, right? The relational support. Um, that, that you need to find at church, man, you go out there, face the world by yourself. You face the attacks of the devil by yourself. It's, it's going to be 10 times harder. Bible says to carry each other's burdens. And I, and I think this goes, uh, Andrew, to 
uh, uh, Jasmine's question, uh, I think you know, because I think she has your last name. So I think we know uh, Jasmine right there. I, I think you know her, Andrew. But uh, Jasmine, Jasmine basically asked the question, look, what, what can we do to help the youth that don't have the blessing to be in an academy and, and are in public schools where prayer and God have been removed? This idea that you're by yourself, right? By yourself, you're going against the current. It's true. Don't be afraid to be different. But what do you do when you're the one that's different and there are 2,000, 3,000 other students in your high school that are completely different to you and make fun of you and peer pressure you in, into abandoning this? Like, what do we say to these people? In fact, in fact, Andrew, in fact, let me, because I think um, uh, Jasmine's follow-up question is how can we help them when they are surrounded by worldly ideas and influences? It, it, it follows that same line. What, what do we say? You know, that's a, that's a tough question because I think we've all been in that situation, right, where, you know, we, we feel alone. We feel like, uh, you know, especially for those that haven't been, that haven't been in academy, you know, I had the, the blessing of being in, in, a, in, a, in a Christian school all the way. K through, man, all the way to to junior year. Wow. Even though my yeah, so well, I mean, three of those years I was in a Baptist school, but it was still a two of those years I was in a Baptist school. It's still a Christian school, you know, right. to some extent, you know. So, you know, I think if from my perspective, you know, if, if how can we help these young people? I think that we you you were hitting it right on the nail is that we have to create real relationships with these young people. Mm-hmm. I think that for far too long. We're, we're sitting on the outside, uh, you know, as I get older, we say, well, what can we do to keep the, the young people in the church, right? Or, or whatever it may be. And we say, well, we'll do programs, we'll do this and that. But we leave that relationship aspect. And we have to remind ourselves that if Jesus is calling us to a relationship between him and him, him and the father, right? There's a relationship aspect that we have to have with God, right? How much more do we have to be able to show those relationships to our young people, and in what sense, in the sense that we have to be have that relationship with the young people so that when those things happen, we have to tell, you know, we have to realize that those things are things that are going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. That they're going to stand out, that these are things that happen, right? But having this someone, you know, we all, when you think about it, there's always that one person that you can call up at any time and say, hey, you know what, I'm going through this with no judgment, no nothing that you can call up and just spill out all your heart, right? Sometimes you want answers, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just want someone to hear you out, right? Y'all, we all have that one person. And maybe that's what the young people need at this time, right? Is knowing that there's someone that has gone through that or is going through that, right? Especially as uh, old, as we're uh, getting older in the church, you know, uh, having those relationships with the young people and just being able to uh, talk to some uh, older person without that feeling of judgment, right? I think that that's a, a way we can combat that is building relationships with our young people, feeling comfortable where they can speak with us wow. and having someone with that, with that influence. Right. That, that is, that is powerful. Uh, Andrew, by the way, I, I, I truly believe in that. I think that we need to have more mentorship at church, right. And not forced mentorship, not forced mentorship. I, I mean, I literally mean where uh, those who are older, cause I see a number of people on here who are, are of older age that are joining us as well, which is great. We appreciate you guys being on with us, but this is where you say, Hey, what am I doing to connect with young people? Because the more experience that you have in your walk with God, in the ups and downs too, for that matter, right? Because I think it's important that that at some point someone, you know, says, "Hey, come over here. I've been there. I've done that. I've 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 seen what that feels like, and I'm here for you. And let me tell you what I've done. You need those relationships." Um, adding in here, uh, Jason, I, I want to get your input on this, but uh, Jordy says this as well. Uh, while, while you're you're thinking of the same thing, 
uh, while uh, he says, well, I mean, I think what you need to do is to give the youth all the resources that are needed to help them make the right decisions when they are pinned down and not to give in and denounce God. Will young people be pinned down at some point? I believe they will. And they're going to have to make really difficult decisions that will mean maybe losing your friends, right? Uh, losing the people that, that you had a relationship with at some point. Okay, church should be giving resources. And by resources, we don't mean like money, right? <laughs> that's that, that's oh, not you're that. not talking about funding all those that go to academy like that, no? No, although, although <laughs> I oh, no, but you know what though? I believe that church should have a role in funding young people to go to academy, right? Like I think, see, I, I, and again, I'm coming from a, from a, from a pa pastoral perspective, right? I'm thinking, what should my church be for young people? Well, first of all, my church should be a, a church where young people know that they can be heard, right? When they are going through attacks of the devil, they can say, hey, I'm here. I'm going through a tough time, right? I feel like the devil's attacking me here and there without being criticized to death. Because unfortunately that happens, right? Young person comes up and says, hey, uh, you know what? I, I was mentioning this to my Sabbath school this morning. Um, uh, sometimes we'll say, hey, you know what? I'm struggling with pornography. Oh, the first thing that that the church will say is, oh, we got to we got to remove your leadership positions now because you're struggling with pornography. I don't know if that's the first reaction. Maybe that's necessary to help out. But what I'm saying is, let's not be critical. Let's instead give the tools that the Bible gives us to be able to overcome the attacks of the devil in our lives. Jason, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm very in tune in what you guys are saying. And when it comes to that, um, instead of just going straight to reprimanding, Sometimes we need to help that person. Like, hey, look, okay, look, what's wrong? Like, what do you think is causing this? Why do you think you're doing such and such thing? We have to help them to be able to break down the problem, to help them to to help them find the to find where the problem started, and being being able to start from ground up to fix it. And um, we're especially in the Hispanic community, we're very it's very it's very easy to 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 like point somebody out. And I see that a lot in Hispanic churches. They point somebody out so quick and so easy. It's like their second nature. And it, it, and it sucks, especially when it comes to the youth. And I've seen it with my pathfinders. Like some of my pathfinders got scolded in a very, something that they should have been scolded for, but in a very unchristian-like way. Mm -hmm. There's there's different ways, but one of the most, to, there's different ways to like, to tell somebody they're doing something wrong. But the most important thing is that we cannot forget is to, that we have to reach them like Christ did with it to everybody with right, love. Right, right. That's the, that's the one thing that we forget. We forget to extend compassion to, to compassion to those in need. And that's what happens with the youth. Like a lot of the adults forget that they were youth at one point. They forget that they went through the same situations and that's the problem. Like, okay, don't, don't go on expecting to think you're young forever. Cause then you're never going to mature. But when you are mature, you got to remember, hey, I went through that when I was a kid. My friends my friends used to drink when I was a kid and they tried to get me to drink. My friends used to listen to this kind of music and I didn't. We have to remember those scenarios. It's those scenarios building. Like Andrew was saying, once we remember that we had those scenarios, when we went through those experiences, we could develop that relationship with that, with that, young, with that young guy or with a young girl and tell them, hey, look, I went through the same thing. This is what I did. You don't have to do what I did. But here's an example of what I did and it worked for me. You could try it out if you want to. Right, right. We can't just come up to them like, hey, give them a list of things to do and command them to do the things. No, we have to be like, hey, look, here's a suggestion. You could try it out. You could not try it out. Especially in the, in, the, in the society we live in now, everything is like, hey, look, maybe you could try this. 
we got to reach our youth with what's going on around us too. We got to reach them in the same way. Cause if we try to, it, it, we don't live in the seventies where everybody, where everything was like, Oh, my higher ups are everything. Like whatever they tell me to do, that's it. We live in a society where everybody's rebelling against everybody. Yeah, so we yeah. have to learn how to have that tact with the youth. And the number one thing we have to do is reach out to them in com with compassion and with love. That's the only way we're ever going to be able to rebuild that relationship with them. I hear you. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to mention something if I could could just cut in. You know, um, what you're saying is is right on point. You know, and I had one of those uh, uh, is it a epiphany, right? Um, when it comes to young people, we quickly forget that we were in that in, in those shoes, right? You know, um, my my brother plays a guitar, right? Uh, my younger brother, and you know, right now I see him and he's young. You know. You know, you, you like the guitar, you want to play certain styles of music, right? And, and you know, I had a, this, this, like, rock hit me in the head, right? Because sure. sometimes we want to say, like, hey, you know what? Like, you should, you should play this type of music, you know, play worship music, do these things, right? And, you know, those are not all bad things, but something, a, a little rock hit me, you know. Uh, my, my cousin was posting uh, pictures on Facebook mm. uh, this last week, mm. and I was going through the pictures, and one of those pictures, like, it was like 10 years ago, and I see see myself in the picture, and I see a picture with a band shirt that says Pantera. Yeah. I don't know how many of you young people are, or how many old people know who the band Pantera is, but they are some crazy thrash metal band that I was all into. I was into all kinds of heavy metal, thrash metal, and I can go on a list of all kinds of things. But it was almost like a like a like a little a stone thrown at me to say, "Hey, you were once young too." Hey, you were once in this place as well. You once thought like this. You once struggled like this as well. You know, so it's not to go and promote and say, hey, you know, let the young people uh, uh, listen or do whatever they want. But it's almost sometimes we need that little stone thrown at us to show us, hey, we need to be compassionate in the way we deal with these young people. Yes, we can tell them truth, but there is a truth, but there's a relationship that needs to be built there, right? And, and I wanted to read a verse to you guys in 2 Corinthians 5 five through 11 that I think perfectly outlines what we're talking about, because I think that, you know, just like say, uh, say just like Jason was saying, sorry, <laughs> let's get that right. Just like Jason was saying, <laughs> just like Jason was saying, you know, I feel like this is, this is not good. I think, I think you need to apologize again. Bro. I yeah, yeah. I apologize. Just like uh, uh, Jason was saying, you know, I think when it comes to young people, and I don't know about you guys, you know, and I've been through a lot of through a lot of Hispanic churches, right? The first thing we're quick to do is like, oh, that like just like uh, Mitchell was saying, oh, what you asked about pornography, or what you asked about homosexuality, or what you asked about what you're sanctioned. Boom, we're quick to sanction people, so, sanction people, right? Right. But there's another part to that. Not that I'm saying that these things are not good. Look at what Second Corinthians uh, two five through eleven. Now, to give you guys some context, Paul at this point, right, in, in the in the first uh, book of Corinthians. Paul is addressing these people saying there was a man having uh, uh, sex with his father's wife, right? And Paul comes into this picture and says, a man is having sex with his father's wife and you guys are doing nothing about it. You guys are just allowing this. He says, from his part, I would have already put him out of the church, right? Pretty much saying that these people were doing nothing, that this man was living in sin and they were just turning a blind eye to it, right? And Paul goes through with this strong exhortation saying you guys as for my part he says the man is already judged you guys should have put him out, outside he was not only 
uh, judging the man. He was judging the people for not doing anything about it, right? So he comes in with the strong exhortation. But now come this, uh, the second book, right, of Corinthians, the second, uh, second, uh, second Corinthians 2, 5 through 11, right? This man that he had this strong exhortation to, he wanted to put him out. Look at what he says to the people in Second uh, uh, Corinthians 2, 5 through 11. It says, but if anyone has caused grief, he's, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent not to be too severe. The punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man, so that, on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and to comfort him, lest perhaps such as one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. So he's saying at this point, yes, I, I, I exhorted you guys, and I, and, I, and I gave you guys something strong, and I said, how could you guys uh, allow this person to be in sin and just be there? He said, he's saying this. He says, but now that you guys have put him out of the church, now that I wrote this strong exhortation to you guys and to him, he says, now the punishment is enough. It says the punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. But on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him. It says, lest perhaps such as one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. So he's saying, now that you guys have uh, uh, put the man out for what he was doing, and I have exhorted him, now forgive him. Bring him back into the flock, lest he be put out because of his sorrow. It says, therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are, are, are obedient in all things. It says, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For, for if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Then look at what it says. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Paul is saying that, yes, while we put, them, uh, put that person out, now bring them into the flock. Forgive them, lest Satan should take advantage of us. Satan knows that we're living in a generation where we're quick to point out fingers. We're quick to sanction people. But we don't want to remember that second part to forgive them and reconcile them, bring them back into the flock, uh, 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 comfort them, right? So that Satan would not take advantage of us. God, uh, uh, Satan knows that we live in, in unforgiveness in the church. Something does, someone does something to us in the church, and we'll remember that for the rest of our lives, right? And, and we have, hold these grudges in church, sadly to say, right? And Satan knows this, and he takes advantage of this. And so we're bringing it into what we're talking about, the young people. When young, we have to realize that young people are going to make mistakes. We have to realize that we were young, once young as well. We exhort them. Yes, if, if necessary, there has to be some kind of sanctioning. But after that sanctioning, we have to build relationships, call them back, bring them to the flock, comfort them, forgive them, and show them that we want them back in the flock. This is something that we do not see in the churches. We're quick to point out fingers. We're quick to not forgive. We're quick to sanction, but we won't bring them back and reconcile them. And right. I think right, right, right. Now, the problem is that the other, the other side of this is also present in the church where it's, uh, there is no repercussion at all to sin. And uh, all it is is just, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. And then eventually it becomes a problem. See, I look, I, I think... That we have to recognize when you when you are reading these texts, Andrew, you are speaking directly to those who have the power to do things about this, right? 
but for the person who is the one that's accused of doing something wrong, let's speak clearly about them, our young people. The devil is going to attack you a million different ways. This does not mean you have to fall into sin. I know we say that young people will make mistakes, but let me right now rebuke all of us. <laughs> let me exhort all of us for a second. Let me rebuke you first. Balance it out. Balance yes. it out. God is more powerful than the devil. God, the things that God gives you are stronger tools than what the devil can throw against you, right? Mm -hmm. If God is with me, who? That includes the devil. Who can be against me, right? That That's, I think, the mentality. So, let me let me rebuke this idea for a second that we have to fall into sin, which Andrew's not what you're saying for the record. Okay. That's not what Andrew is saying. But what I'm saying is that a lot of times we see that other extreme where people are just like, well, you know, it's just people are going to commit sins, whatever. No, it's not whatever. It's a serious thing. On the other hand, right? This is where the exhortation comes in. Remember that there is no temptation that is handed to us, that is given to us that we cannot overcome. God gives us the way out of these temptations. So whatever it is that we face, you don't have to fall into sin. My dear young people, wherever, whoever you are, wherever you're watching, all right, just because temptation comes, just because the attack comes, does not mean you have to be defeated. Get out of the victim mentality that so often is present in our world. Start being victorious in Jesus Christ. You have to, because that is what scripture teaches, that there is victory in Christ, that we are more than conquerors, what Romans chapter 8 says, in him who, who has given everything for us. So um, while it is true that me as a leader needs to be more compassionate, I also need to be a little bit more firmer with my young people and say, hey, what's up? Let's start stepping up and let's start realizing that, that God can do amazing things through us if we allow him. Exactly. Like we... We got to get out of the mentality of like, of just being nice about things. We have to like, like the Forerunner Chronicle says, um, the truth is the truth, whether you like it or not. We got to have, that's the type of mentality we got to have. We have to have, like, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what's up, but I'm here to help you. Sure. And unfortunately we only see like, I'm going to tell you what's up. That's all we see. Like, like when, when they were talking about the, Andrew was saying earlier about um, when we discipline the youth because they messed up or something. It's, it's sad to say, but it's not common to see somebody to go check up on them afterwards. Yeah. Even if yeah. it's not a youth, even if it's an adult member of the church, after they, after they go through junta, they go through the whole works and they get taken away from the position. That's it. There is no they aren't nobody's being accountable for that mm. and we got to work on that and it starts with us the people that are watching this and with us three we have to do that if somebody so if we know somebody's in trouble call them out but hey we got to check up on them for sure for we sure. have can to I, check I, up on them can i give a quote to balance this all out sure for sure, for sure look at this what ellen white writes in the messages to young people it says grave responsibilities rest upon the youth God expects much from the young men who live in this generation of increased light and knowledge. He expects them to impart this light and knowledge. He desires to use them in dispelling the error of superstition that cloud the minds of many. They are to discipline themselves by gathering up every jot and tittle of knowledge and experience. God holds them responsible for the opportunities and the privilege given them. The work before them is this 
the, the work before them is waiting for the uh, earnest effort that it may be carried forward from point to point as the time demands. It says, if the youth will consecrate their minds and the hearts to God's service, they will reach a high standard of efficiency and usefulness. This is the standard that the Lord expects the youth to attain. To do less than this is to refuse to make the most of God-given opportunities. This will be looked upon as treason against God, a failure to work for the good of humanity. God has a high standard for our Absolutely. youth. Absolutely. Do not allow. Yes, we have to understand that young people are going to make mistakes in the same token. Young people, God has a high standard for you. And he requires a high standard for you. And you, as a young person, to your peers who can have such a great influence, should see that. Yeah. I, I, and you know what? And we got to wrap it up. But I think that's actually a perfect way for us to wrap it up. There is a high standard. Devil's trying to break down that standard, by the way. I mean, that's, that's, that's what the devil's trying to do. Don't have to be defeated by the devil. The devil's already a defeated enemy. Would you guys agree with that? As, already defeated defeated on the cross and therefore we can claim that victory as well if we wanted to by the way uh isauda uh, writes in uh, at the end be there for them for the young people i would assume right and speak the truth with compassion i, I think that's the way it's got to be and for the record this is what we've been doing guys like honestly th this has been our, the points of our conversation like we're not trying to sugarcoat things we're trying to speak truth but we're coming at it from a perspective where we say hey we know we get it. We've been there. We've asked the questions. We're still asking the questions. But, but you know, we believe in, in, in God as a much stronger and higher power than anything else, including the devil, including the enemy. He may be a ruler of darkness, but my God is a ruler of light. Mm. And light is always more powerful than darkness, always. Anyways, that's going to be the sermon for this Sabbath for any of those who want to check in. <laughs> all right. At, at 11 in the morning, next, next, this, this Sabbath coming up. Anyways. Guys, hey, we got to wrap it up. Uh, literally, we've been talking now for an hour and 50 minutes. Is an that our hour, record? In out, No. Yes, maybe. No. I have no idea. I, think no, I feel like we've gone longer. It's about the almost two-hour mark. <laughs> okay. Well, but, but we got to wrap it up because, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's uh, other stuff has come in on the channel. So we got we to gotta do that. But um, we're going to take very seriously, uh, Jason, Andrew, hopefully you guys agree with me on this. We're going to take very seriously some of the comments about the topics that we need to discuss because I think there's some good ones. Also, yeah. uh, some of you have sent in some comments uh, through uh, through the Instagram, some very, very good questions, especially about reaching others. We're going to talk about those as well. Um, we appreciate you guys supporting us, being with us throughout all this. Remember to hit up our Instagram page. Uh, also, if you're interested in getting one of the shirts, just just you know, reach out to us and we can let you know how. No. Um, and and uh, I, I'm going to finish with this comment. Uh, uh, Angie writes in, the stronger our youth are in faith, the more Satan trembles. Hey, hey I got to say, did you read that? Because that was your wife. Look at that. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to call me, you out on it. Here, Andrew, <laughs> let me ask you something. Did you, What she wrote, is that true or not? Yeah, it's true. It's All right. Enough said, hey, hey. Enough said, I want to I wanna read yeah. my wife's comment that oh, says. Sure. <laughs> Where is it? I'm just kidding. Because um, I've been reading those. No, no but yeah. Right. Angie, Angie couldn't be... For the, for the cheers right there. Yeah, so, we we want the devil to tremble. The more and this, the, and especially the more the the youth bring in other youth, you yes. think he's not going to tremble? Absolutely. Imagine a generation of young people for Christ. 
a lot of shaking up in the rulers of darkness. That's for sure. Anyways, we got to wrap it up. Let's have a quick word of prayer. I'm going to invite everybody, wherever you guys are at, just to bow your heads with me and let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for allowing us uh, to be able to have this conversation. We pray that our young people were blessed. Uh, we appreciate all the comments, all the conversation that was going on. Uh, and we ask that you keep uh, having us look at you, focused on you, on the victory that you can give us. Devil's already defeated. We know that. We just don't want the devil to defeat us. We want to have victory in you. And that's and that really was the goal of the conversation. We recognize he is powerful, but we understand that you are even stronger. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Bless us. Watch over us. Keep us safe. We keep asking all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen. And amen. Amen. All right. Well, once again, everyone, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. And uh, if all goes well, we hope to see you next week. Uh, have a blessed, blessed Sabbath. And as you know, even in this conversation, talking about all the you know things that the devil does, when the devil is attacking you, five words, keep calm and Advent on. Keep looking to the coming of Jesus. We'll be seeing you soon. God bless. Hit us, hit us up on the Instagram. Uh, we'll be talking soon. God bless, guys.